The Compassion Parenting Podcast, hosted by Dr. Mary Wild. Episode 6, Seasons on Sickness and Health, Part 2. Welcome to the Compassion Parenting Podcast, helping moms to love wisely and well. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Wild, integrative pediatrician and mom of eight sons who continually challenge and teach me. Over the years, I've learned that rather than outward technique, it's the internal landscape of the heart that affects parenting more than anything else. Mothering is about being, not just doing. You have everything you need within you to become the parent you want to be. So let's bring it out. I recently saw a social media post that said, Maybe you think someone doesn't have a lot on their plate compared to you, but maybe their plate is smaller than yours and doesn't have a lot of room to begin with. Or maybe their plate is paper and their flimsy paper plate can't hold as much as your sturdy ceramic plate. Another mom shared the post and added, My flimsy paper plate is wet and soggy. How about you? Our capacity for outward things fluctuates day by day partly based on our emotional and physical state and the intensity of the needs around us. In these fluctuations, there's always room for compassion. Compassion for ourselves and compassion for others. So often we're caring more than even we ourselves realize and doing a pretty amazing job of it too, all things considered. In parenting, one circumstance that can take a major toll is illness. Last week, we talked with Micah, who has a son with a chronic health issue. She shared her perspective and suggested ways to effectively support parents in her situation. Make sure you go back and listen if you didn't catch it. In today's episode, you'll meet Jenny, a single mom with three daughters who deals with her own debilitating illness. Jenny suffers from recurrent seizures and hemiplegic migraines. I first met Jenny when I volunteered along with other women in our church congregation to help make sure she took her medications on certain days when her daughters weren't available. Little did I know that she'd become a good friend with so much to teach me. In our interview, I asked Jenny what she learned navigating parenting in the context of her own health issues. Listen especially for the story of the plant stand and think of what it could symbolize. Here's the interview. One of the first things I learned is the bond our children feel towards us as parents because the very first thing that happened um, while we were first going through testing and things and trials of medications, I slept for almost a full year. And Megan had just barely turned 16. Bailey was 13 and Heather was 10. Mm -hmm. And they, when I would get in, excruciating pain that couldn't be remedied or I would get confused they would sit on my bed and read me the book of mormon because they knew that that's where my comfort was Mm -hmm. and they took on that parenting role without being asked and I think sometimes we think as parents that we need to teach our kids how to cope or we need to teach our kids how to grow up but at young ages they want 
to please us as parents. They want to take, help us as parents. And I think sometimes we stifle their growth by not allowing them to take on that role. Yeah, and it's interesting how life itself teaches. And, and so in some ways we as parents maybe can stand back a little bit and let that happen instead of feeling so much like we have to micromanage. Micromanage, that was the biggest thing that I had to give up. Yeah. I was your micromanager. But like I learned, I had limitations, but my kids had limitations too. And we're aware of that as a parent what our kids' limitations are, you know, but we don't see the world in their same perspective. We used to have a daily chore chart where you did your chores every day and we eat at a certain time of day and we did things in a certain manner this way. Mm -hmm. And I had to start relying on them as an adult to Megan. Immediately, she'd been 16 for two weeks and she had to start grocery shopping and doing all the car the carpooling back and forth and early morning things and ap- late afternoon things and wow. doctor's appointments and just everything, um, making dinner. And I couldn't put up a daily chore chart, but I would say this in this week, this is what you need to accomplish within this week. And instead of within this day, and I realized that I had been giving myself that latitude that today I didn't get to my gardening because these extra things came up, Mm. but I hadn't been giving that latitude to my kids that still before bed, you need to, your room needs to be clean. You need to have done your chore. And I hadn't given that latitude to my kids. Mm. And I started allowing them to manage their time even the youngest teller at that age to manage hers and not just with chores but with grades and with friends and with what they watched and with what they listened to they knew that when they hit the expectation that they had more privileges instead of always being told what to do and then having consequences that were bad if they didn't hit that our goal is the same at the end. And I don't need to get concerned about today's didn't, the bathroom didn't get cleaned or today your grade is a D. What I need to be concerned about is the bigger picture. And I am okay if I am walking over clothes. They're, right. It's okay. You're going to be okay. You know, and that was hard. It was hard to be able to allow that to happen and not to micromanage. And knowing your girls, it's so amazing how they did step up and what strong individuals they are. One thing is when they did step up versus when they did just what they were asked and they did the bare minimum. It was, I appreciate that. That was a good job, you know? And when they did more than was asked, it was like, I had just won a trip to Hawaii like oh my goodness you would do that for me like you didn't just do dishes but you swept them up too the enthusiasm I think we lose 
that we, you know, we have when they take the first step or they learn to go, you know, potty or whatever. Right. That enthusiasm we lose over time with our teenagers, I think. Mm-hmm. And we talk to them like we would a coworker, mm-hmm. but they want to see that spark in our face. And when I had asked my girls what made the biggest difference to them, they said it was enthusiasm. that made the biggest difference, made them want to do more. It made them want to strive harder. You maybe weren't as present in certain moments as you would have liked to be, but when you were present, tell us about the interactions that you were able to have or how you were able to make those times meaningful. One thing is that each day we would ask, and this started before my illness, but it became especially important afterwards that what miracle did you see today? Or what great thing did you see today? What kind act did you see today? There was something that was good that came from that day. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't all about stress and it wasn't all about the grind, but that there was something else that was great that was happening and sometimes like we would literally sit around and look at each other and somebody would say you know we all got up this morning or we all got to school on time (laughs) (laughs) oh minor but that was still something positive something to celebrate yes (laughs) something to celebrate and the other thing was to laugh each day and those are the two criteria I had for every day and if I didn't have a story to tell them that was funny I would make up words to a song you know (laughs) and the girls sometimes say mom you're the most immature person in the house at least they could walk away with a smile on their face and we would when hard experiences would come we would we would instead of saying this hard thing happened or this bad thing happened we would find a reason to turn the story around and find something that we could laugh about with it I couldn't control our circumstances Mm -hmm. but I could control the feeling that was in the house Mm -hmm. and by looking for miracles and by laughing it wasn't dismissing the hard times because we talked about the hard times but I that was one about the only thing I could control Mm -hmm. and even on days that I couldn't get up out of bed I could tell them a kindergarten joke as they walk out of my room and they can say yeah mom that was really childish you know (laughs) At least I could see them smile when they said it. Mm-hmm. And having been in your home, it's it's a special place. There's a lot of love there. And one of my favorite memories of being at your house was when you showed me this beautiful gift that you received from one of your daughters. Um, it was a, a plant stand. Yes. And can you tell us about that a little bit? I can you know it was kind of a funny night because it was the night before Mother's Day and oh my goodness my kids just wouldn't go to bed and I'm like you guys know I'm tired (laughs) and they had like we had a neighbor over we had like one of their friends over and I was like 
I'm serious. Like, doesn't your wife wonder where you are? <laughs> Go home. <laughs> and finally, I just kind of, I'm like, you guys, I have to go to bed, you know. But it was the day before Mother's Day. And my one of my favorite hobbies is gardening. And, and with this friend of ours, Heather had made a plant stand um, that's three tiers tall and took up our entire bay window and they were trying to move it in that night but they wanted to me to be surprised on mother's day and so they were waiting for me to go to bed so they could move it in from the track <laughs> they it's a three-tier stand and she lined them up so one plant is above the other directly above the one below it and you feed it from the top and it drips down to the next one. And then when that one is full, it drips down to the next one down. And they feed each other as they're doing it. She said, if you can't get out to your garden, mom, I'll bring the garden to you. And if you forget to water all the plants, it's okay. You only have to remember to water the top five. And we talked about that once you're full that you feed down to the next and that that's how we nourish one another and that there was never one person that was always at the top it wasn't mom always at the top but sometimes it may have been Megan at the top or it may have been Heather at the top that was feeding down to the others and fulfilling the needs of the others. Yes. And I love that so much. That symbol was very, very powerful to me. And, and also just this idea of, of trusting, like you give the water, you give the, the nourishment and trust that the trickles will come, that the nourishment down the line will happen. And I know that you had to, you had to trust a lot Mm -hmm. during this time. You had to sometimes rely on, outside people coming in, you had to rely on your daughters to step in. And, and how, how were you able to do that? How were you able to let go enough and to trust? A lot of hard days and crying. (laughs) (laughs) I've always been in charge of my life. I've always been able to take where I wanted and to all of a sudden not be able to do that was, it's probably the hardest disability of all. I taught the kids to manage themselves. I taught them to believe in themselves because of that and and to trust that we would give each other the same respect, that I would always speak to them the way they want I wanted to be spoken to and that I would always trust them the way that I would want them to trust me. Mm-hmm. There was a day that Bailey came home. It was during sacrament meeting and Heather, Bailey brought Heather in and she said, mom, you can deal with this one. I'm going back to church. Mm-hmm. And I was there and I said, what do we need to deal with Heather? And she said, mom, we need to go to Walmart right now. And if you know Heather, that's a very atypical thing to say, but sometimes you don't ever put things past kids either. But I trusted her. And I didn't ask her why we needed to go to Walmart. I didn't question her. I didn't ask her anything at all. But what I, I said, okay, let's go. And I grabbed 
the cash that I had in the house at the time. And I, we got in the car and I said, she was 15 and she had our learner's permit. And I said, you're going to have to drive. I said, but before we go, would you want to tell me what it's about? And she said, oh, I just had a strong feeling during the sacrament that we need to go to Walmart. I don't know why. Hmm. And I said, okay, well, let's have her and maybe we'll find out more. And we got to Walmart and she says, where should I park? And I say, you park where you feel like you should park. Mm-hmm. And we actually drove through the Walmart parking lot and out and around the neighborhood around Walmart for an hour. Wow. And finally, I, she's like, maybe it's just Walmart was the starting point. But I said, you know, I did notice a car while we were driving around, kind of like a homeless mom maybe was in it. Mm-hmm. I said, maybe that's what it's about. And so she, I said, let's just go back and have another prayer when we see the car. Mm-hmm. And so we pulled into the parking lot, kind of a couple stalls down from this car and prayed that we would know when we walked up to it, if it was the right thing or not, and what to say at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I knocked on our window and there was a mom and a teenage boy in there. And I said, what do you need? Mm-hmm. And she said, do you mean who are you and where are you from and (laughs) what do you need what do you need anything at all and she told me about how they had left the women's shelter for abused women Mm -hmm. 24 hours earlier and in that 24 hours they'd hit a snowstorm their car broke down they ran out of money they they were sitting in the Walmart parking lot because they were completely out of gas they were out of food and they were just sitting there because they had nowhere to go And they were trying to get to a family member in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And I I said, okay, well, I have this money here. Would this help you get to Las Vegas? And she said, yes, thank you so much. And she just started to cry. Mm -hmm. I got back in the car and I thought our job was done. And I had another impression. I needed to invite her over for lunch. And right then I remembered that that morning I had woken up and asked to help somebody that day. And I had felt to make dinner for two extra and to have dinner ready right after sacrament, right after church. And in that we would, I didn't know who we would invite or anything else. And I thought if we have to go knock doors and take two children out of a house on Sunday, we will do that because I'm going to invite two people for dinner today. (laughs) And we ended up having a hot dinner that was prepared already you know so I said do you want to come eat at my house we have a hot meal and she says oh she's like you know maybe we'll just get back on the road now she's like we've been here for hours and I said you know what I see you have a dog and I said I have dog food at my house I have a yard I said if you want to bring the puppy in with you you can I said whatever you need that's okay I said I can have dinner on in 10 minutes mm-hmm. I called home and and Megan was home from church already and she said I said Megan prepare food get dinner on the table we are coming home with visitors and we got home and the boys brought over the sacrament and she was able to be a part of that to see it and we had a very enjoyable dinner with her 
And her son said, I really want to be an artist, but I'll never be able to because I don't have supplies. I don't have lessons, like all these things I need. And Bailey said, I won Sterling Scholar this weekend. And I've never, ever had a lesson. I'm self-taught. And you can do it too. Be persistent and believe in yourself and you can do it too. And he says, I'm poor. And she said, I'm poor too. And, and Bailey was able to give something back. And Megan that day had prayed that she would be, she was lost because she had just come home from her mission and she was feeling kind of lost because she didn't have somebody to serve on a Sunday. And, and Megan was able to contribute and I told the girls afterwards, I said, let's fill them up with some grocery bags of groceries. I said, take their car down to the gas station and put gas in it and then drive with them and make sure they get down there. Okay. And Megan and Heather drove with them. Mm-hmm. And I think what this taught me was that Heather had faith in me. She trusted me because I had shown trust in her. Heather trusted me enough that she could come home during the middle of sacrament meeting and say, I want to go to Walmart. <laughs> and no, that I wasn't going to judge her. I wasn't going to question her mm-hmm. that I would believe her that, that it must be necessary and important. Mm-hmm. The girls trusted enough to know that when they prayed that their prayers would be answered and This little boy cried. He was 13 and he cried and he said, we never could have expected this. And she said, I'll never make it out of the women's shelter. I'll never live like you live. I have nothing. And I said, you know, I said a few years ago, I had nothing. And a few years ago, we were involved with the system and DCFS too. And I said, I want to testify that God loves you enough to pull a 15-year-old girl out of church to find you and to have a hot meal prepared for you. And he loves you that much. And we use this that sometimes we walk through these blizzards and we walk through our car breaking down and we walk through the hills and the valleys. We walk through the weather and all the things that could go wrong, falling, losing food and everything else but we are in the end we're embraced and God sends his love and he sends his nourishment and he sends friends to walk with us the rest of the way and that we don't have to carry it alone that we are not required to ever carry it alone as alone as you may feel at times I loved the insights Jenny shared These are the notes I took from her words. Trust that life itself will teach your kids important lessons. Know that your kids may be more capable than you give them credit for. Instead of micromanaging, look at the bigger picture. Show appreciation even when your kids have just done the bare minimum. Hold on to your enthusiasm, not just with young children, but with teenagers too. Even amidst the struggle, Look for miracles. Laugh together every day. Trust each other. Trust God. 
And finally, and perhaps most importantly, you are never alone. Even those times you thought you were will prepare you to lift someone else's burden, perhaps on a Sunday afternoon in a Walmart parking lot. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Compassion Parenting Podcast. I'd love to hear your thoughts. What resonated with you? What questions came up? Let's continue the conversation on Instagram at Compassion Parenting or within my free Facebook group, Parenting Well, Raising Compassionate and Productive Humans. Links are in the show notes. If you've gained insight from the time we've shared today, leave a review and subscribe. There's a quick how-to in the show notes. Have a blessed week. May you love yourself, your family, and the world wisely and well.